0: You're listening to Creative Confidential with Brian Tuck. Brian is an attorney who represents startups, nonprofits, arts organizations, and people who work in the creative industries. As an arts entrepreneur, Brian is the founder and CEO of Performing Arts Live, a Pennsylvania nonprofit corporation dedicated to creating and supporting live performance opportunities for jazz and electronic artists. Its flagship program is the Allentown Jazz Fest. Brian is a TEDx speaker, a Grammy voter, and jazz musician. Creative, confidential, begins... Now,
1: Our guest today on the podcast is Cassie Hilgert, the president and CEO of ArtsQuest. ArtsQuest is one of the largest arts nonprofits in Pennsylvania, both in terms of the scope and diversity of its programming. Cassie was named president and CEO of ArtsQuest in 2015 after joining the organization in 2008 as the vice president of development. Cassie discusses her transition from working in the corporate world at a global publicly traded company to leading the region's largest and most diverse nonprofit arts organization, Cassie, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me here. Your story is interesting to me because you came from corporate America. Yes, I mean you weren't born in corporate America, obviously, <laughs> but but professionally speaking, um, in, in terms of your career. Uh, trajectory, you you work for a big global company called Air Products, which is based here in the Lehigh Valley. Yes, and I was wondering, just for a little bit of context uh, for people who aren't familiar with, with what that is, that's a large uh, globally. Yeah, it's a Fortune five r two
2: fifty actually, a mm-hmm. gas and chemical company based in for Town PA. So they're in you know twenty countries, have about ten thousand employees. So it's a large large employer.
1: And how long were you at Air Products?
2: I was at Air Products for five years. I started out in their PR department, so I was handling uh, the, all the PR for about half of their business lines, and then moved over uh, working in their community relations and government relations department.
1: And that was not just – was that just for the domestic activity or was that for – That for, was for uh, U.S.
2: and Canada. So it, that really afforded me the opportunity uh, to travel around the country into Canada, uh, small, medium, and large cities. And, and the, one of the goals of that job at the time was to help build the reputation of the company. So you would go into these communities and you would find the projects that uh, you know, the company wanted to get behind. So I got to know um, the characteristics of places from Alberta, Canada – Two Carson, California. Uh, and also had responsibility for the Lehigh Valley and and that's where I really first got involved with ArtsQuest and the Steel Stacks project.
1: Okay. Now when you when you say what referring back to your assignments with air products, going out and finding the projects that that company wanted to get behind for Give us give us a for instance. Would it be? So if you were in Carson,
2: California, and they had a high uh, illiteracy rate, so there would be an uh, emphasis from both the elected officials and the private sector to help raise that literacy rate. So the local YM or YWCA may have a reading program that they wanted to get funded and to roll out in the community. That's where we could step in and help out with that.
1: Okay. Now, going back a little bit further, I know we're going backwards yeah. uh, in time here, but- it would be boring to start at the beginning and go <laughs> chronologically. Um, w- w- when you were in so your undergrad concentration was in marketing or it was
2: in communications. It was at Penn State. a okay. uh, funny little story when I was uh, considering which college to go to. I had been in drama uh, in high school and really enjoyed that. And I actually auditioned and got a theater scholarship to Penn State, which um, I did not take at the time, having a long discussion with my father, who was involved in the financial sector informing me that there was no future in uh, the arts. So I, I took a much more, quote unquote, reasonable approach. Um, so my father and I laugh about that frequently as, as it has seemed to have come full circle. So I've always been involved in arts and culture, but uh, had much more of a business route. Um, when I came out of college, I worked for a company called MedStar Television over in Allentown, Pennsylvania, a small company. And uh, we, we worked with healthcare clients all over the nation to create and sell a healthcare uh, TV series where we would interview the hospital doctors about current uh, health topics. And from there, I moved on to Good Shepherd uh, Rehabilitation Network, where I ran their marketing communications. And and that was my first insight into the nonprofit sector, uh, and that was very eye-opening for me. And I got recruited to Air Products from there. So that was my sort of long and winding journey, if you will, uh, before coming to ArtsQuest.
1: During the time that you were working for MedStar or, or Good Shepherd, were you involved in any board level activity for any nonprofits at that time or were you? Now,
2: MedStar, I was I was traveling a lot around the country, so I really wasn't home that much. Good Shepherd was my first interaction with a board of trustees, so mm-hmm. clearly they have a board. And, and that was where I got involved with um, not just the board, I think, as far as an influence, but I was fortunate enough to work with Dr. Conrad Raker, who was the son of the founder. Uh, he was still working there at the time and coming in every day, even though he was in his 80s. and And that was the person I learned from that... Uh, You can have a higher calling, a passion, if you will, that that you can pursue and make a vocation. So in the back of my mind was always that, gee, I wonder uh, if I could really do that in the arts and also prove my dad wrong, which would have been a great twofer.
1: (laughs) Well, that 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 motivation, I think a lot of people have in some in some uh, in some measure. Now, the Good Shepherd years, about what time period are we talking here?
2: Uh, 1998 to 2003 so they were going through a major uh, expansion in uh, South Allentown. They had they were landlocked but they were outgrowing their facility and Sally Gammon, the president at the time uh, embarked on a very ambitious capital campaign which I was involved with started at 20 million, ended up at a little over 40 million okay and that was to build a whole new technology center, uh, revamp the hospital and and uh, that was my involvement uh, primarily at, at Good Shepherd.
1: So let's fast forward to your first, uh, you know, your first interactions with uh, Jeff Parks, the right. former CEO of ArtsQuest, correct? And how you how how you started walking down that path, tour away from the for-profit world, mm-hmm. and towards ArtsQuest where you are now.
2: Sure. You know, at, at Air Products, which is a fantastic company, it is a great employer, still very important to the Valley, uh, I was just having one of those stereotypical moments of, hey, you know, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, it, it, nothing's going to matter. And the company will keep going on. They've got great people. And and what am I doing? Wh- who am I impacting? How am I making a difference? Um, Through all of that, I I had met Jeff. Now, I had been going to Music Fest, which started in 1984, uh, when I was a teenager. So I was familiar with that public part of the organization. But I met with Jeff because he had this crazy plan. And I'll never forget, he took me down to the Bethlehem Steel site, which is... You know, 1800 acres. It's the largest brownfield under redevelopment in the United States. And it was just weeds and, and abandoned buildings at the time. And here he's stretching his arms out and laying out this vision about the Arts Quest Center is going to be here and we're going to have year round concerts and cinemas. And I just remember sitting down with him and, and, th- and saying to him, this is great, and you're absolutely crazy. There's no way this is happening down here. But what, what took me um, to the next level, uh, both with him and with our discussions, was the idea that ArtsQuest and arts and culture in general – is not just a necessity for the quality of life, but it is an economic development driver. That's where I got very excited because I had been on the board of LVDC for about 10 years, Lehigh Valley Economic Development Corporation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been very involved with economic development and wanted to see the valley move up in stature and we had a lot in the Valley at the time from a medical standpoint, what they call meds and eds, right. great healthcare institutions, great educational institutions, but we didn't have the year-round cultural amenities that people were looking for and typically find in larger metropolitan areas.
1: So in, in that part of the story, there are a couple of things we may want to uh, revisit. Um, Cassie had mentioned a, a, f- a festival called Music Fest. Which uh, occurs first week of August. Correct. It starts the first
2: Friday of August and runs for 10 consecutive days.
1: And that started back in 1984 as a relatively small uh, multi day event. Uh, In its mature form now, it draws between 900,000 and a million, a million one in 10 days. So if you're, if you're, you know there are, there are other festivals around the country, South by Southwest and Coachella and, and those kinds of things. Um, on the East Coast, though, there's really nothing like the event that you that ArtsQuest runs. So to draw a million people in ten days is 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 a huge number.
2: It's a huge number, and I think there's there's a lot of layers to that people don't know. And I think one of the reasons we aren't on the radar of the Coachella or a Firefly is that of our sixteen stages, fifteen are free. Right. So a lot of these bigger festivals have the twenty headliners, and it you know it costs you six hundred dollars to get in. We're fifteen out of sixteen stages that are free, um, and we are pulling from forty states and six countries. So it's a tremendous draw and an economic driver um, for Bethlehem. It's how it started because in in nineteen eighty four. Uh, the rise of ArtsQuest sort of mirrors the decline of of Bethlehem Steel. The city needed something from a morale standpoint as mm-hmm. Bethlehem Steel was going out of business uh, to reinvigorate the community, and we also wanted to showcase the historical assets that are around Bethlehem. So, Music Fest started even before this whole festival movement as an economic development driver. And today, we're a little over fifty three million dollars in economic impact
1: annually. Wow. So. So many nuggets in in, in what you just <laughs> said are stories unto themselves. Yes. And for those of you who don't know, so Bethlehem used to be a company town of about 20,000 people, and there was a massive steel plant uh, on the Lehigh River, and it manufactured products that went into battleships and you know the World War II fleet and, and the whole bit. Um, fast forward into the 80s, when the steel industry in the United States started to decline, or the 70s and 80s, I guess. And the the plant went dark. And, you know, the headquarters shut down and a lot of jobs got lost. And what Bethlehem had was a massive piece of industrial real estate that, you know, other than what has happened, the only thing I could think of is if Major League Baseball <laughs> or the NFL had come in, mm-hmm. they would have had enough juice to Repurpose the site. But short of something highly unusual like that happening, um, there wasn't a lot of hope, I don't think, for that industrial site ever being returned to productive use. But you guys managed to do it. I mean, you it's, it's... It's a
2: story that really should be told nationally uh, because there are, are many partners to it. Bethlehem Steel, as a matter of fact, has a big hand in it. As the company was winding down, the executives had the foresight to prepare that that land for redevelopment. They didn't have to do that, mm-hmm. but they did. And and I think that, that really speaks to their legacy. Um, then you had the public sector. And, and again, going back to my days at our products and traveling around... At the time, we had to convince both Republicans and Democrats to take the long view, because here you had this beautiful steel uh, campus that was sitting on a river, mm-hmm. the riverfront, to not tear down all the assets, but you know try to get them to buy into this vision that we're going to repurpose this, the blast furnaces are going to be the backdrop to this amazing performance venue. The fact that both of them, everybody really in the public sector said, yes, we're going to take the long view on this, uh, along with Bethlehem Steel helping to prep the site, And then you add a huge piece that when you talked about the NFL or MLB was the Pennsylvania State Legislature passing gambling. So what you then had shortly thereafter was the Sands, uh, Las Vegas Sands, announcing that they were going to open the Sands Casino Bethlehem, which was I think a seven hundred million dollar investment. Right. Uh, That was coming along right along with with our vision and what we wanted to do with the campus. So a lot of things came together, uh, and and we talk about a lot today that in this political environment to get Republicans and Democrats to you know agree on when the sun rises, is an accomplishment. (laughs) But I I, I think it's a great example of what happens when the public and the private sector come together
1: now that the campus has been, you know, the the outdoor pavilions are built. There's concerts happening there. How how many events? If you back out music fest for just for the mm-hmm. sake of uh, of of this next piece, uh, how many events do you produce? in any year on average.
2: So ArtsQuest produces about 1500 camps, classes and concerts outside of Music Fest and that's between the ArtsQuest Center at SteelStacks that includes our two screen cinema, the Music Fest Cafe presented by Yingling, the Levitt Pavilion SteelStacks outdoors and then the Banana Factory which is right down the street is our visual arts and education center that has 30 artist studios. Pennsylvania Youth Theater is housed there. The Pediatric Cancer Foundation of the Lehigh Valley is also housed there, and we have the Valley's only hot glass uh, blowing studio is located in the Banana Factory, and we run visual arts classes all year round there as well.
1: Obviously, it's it's a tremendously busy campus, and it's something I think that any major city would be envious of. I mean, if. If Chicago could have yes. done something like this, or or Philly, yes. or um, they would, you know, they would uh, have have served themselves well. Um, but at the time, now that we're talking about it, to look back a little bit, it seems, the, you know, the improbability of all of those events lining up to bring you where you are today, or to bring the organization where it is today. There's definitely a story to be told, as you said, you there know, to, be told, to be told nationally and. You know, how you do that, I'm not quite sure, but it's... Uh, Programs like this, you, yeah. just, you just keep getting the word out. Um, so to to bring things, you know, away from the organization and, and back to your, you know, to your journey, when you made the switch, so you're, you're at Air Products, you're in a very stable global company, very stable environment, and you make the decision to take that sort of leap of faith and join ArtsQuest in a marketing... You were vice president of marketing? I was
2: vice president of, actually, uh, development. So I was handling all their sponsorships. And, and I had a lot of familiarity with sponsorships coming from Air Products. Right. And looking at a lot of these proposals, I knew to some degree what what companies were looking for. So I came in to beef up that that part of ArtsQuest. And it was in 2008, November
1: 2008, when the planning
2: for SteelStacks was really getting underway in earnest.
1: So you had, you know, you were coming from a position of receiving proposals from various or, you know, nonprofit organizations, everybody is out there chasing the same dollars. And you now get to jump over to the, uh, to, I think, I don't want to say any one task is harder than the other, but definitely it's sort of like the old, the, the twist on the golden rule, of, you yes. know, he or she who has the gold, uh, rules, correct? kind of, so if you're receiving proposals, that's probably a more comfortable place to be versus being in the position of writing grants and going out and trying to, especially the amount of dollars that you had to raise, correct. uh, to, to complete the, uh, project. um, what was the re? I mean, there was some tipping point sure. in your career. What what was it specifically, or or was it? You know, I, I had it? mentioned meeting with Jeff, and
2: and that that really got me curious. We spoke for the next two years, probably once a quarter, and he would update me on what was happening with the campus and the project. And throughout those conversations, he started to throw out the idea of, you know, you seem really interested in this, and 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 you've got a lot of good ideas. Have you ever thought about? Uh, coming back to the nonprofit sector, and on such a small scale, because Good Shepherd is, is a larger nonprofit healthcare system with, with 1,200 employees and 30 sites. This was a small organization at the time of uh, you know 20-some employees, and uh, I, I just mulled that over a lot, and the more we talked... Um, the more courageous I I think I got and and reflective about what you just said. I'm going to go from this side of the table where people are are asking me to help support and helping the company support their cause to making the pitch. So in other words, you're going to go from giving away the money to try to raise the money. And surprisingly enough, uh, I really thought it was easier to ask for the money. There were so many good causes when I was at Air Products. You want to fund all of them, and you can't. You know, the resources are finite, so it, it is almost harder to say no mm-hmm. uh, to someone even though you know it's a worthy cause. When I'm on this side, I'm making my pitch with every ounce of passion I have in me. there's There's nothing I believe in more than what I'm doing. So for me to ask uh, comes comes naturally to me. So he had kept putting this in my head and and a real a huge tipping point was. Uh, at 2008 uh, Music Fest when I was wandering around. I was up at Leader Plots, which is one of our smaller stages in the historic north side of Bethlehem, Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, one of my favorites. It was a beautiful night, um, which we love to have at Music Fest. It was a great band, and I was sitting there with some friends and just thinking, this is the greatest thing in the world. I mean, wow, to be a part of this and to help this community would be something, and literally, like out of a book, out of the shadows walks Jeff Parks. (laughs) And he just comes up to me and says, "I got nothing else. If this doesn't get you going and make you want to be a part of this, I don't have anything else to give you." So we had some more conversations after that, and shortly thereafter, I, I made the switch and came into ArtsQuest. And did you?
1: What did your coworkers say? <laughs> I mean, there's always some, yeah, you know. Uh, however definite your plans may be in your mind, just from a different context, I, I sort of know what. You, you went through kind of a little bit. Um, you may have a very definite plan and you know this is going to work because right. it just is. Mm-hmm. It, it just has to. Mm-hmm. Um what were your coworkers telling? I mean, were there other people in your circle going, "Hey, why are you? Yeah, m- are you most doing of this? my
2: coworkers and 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 even close friends thought, you know, I had eight heads to to leave something like that. <laughs> um, so we're going to go back to right. my dad, who, uh, you know, when I really made this decision, <clears throat> I, I brought over the financials of ArtsQuest for the last several years and sat down with him and said, "Okay, Mister Conservative, uh, here's what I'm thinking of doing, and and here's what they've been doing financially the last couple of years." Here, I, and I think I, I want to go work for him. How crazy am I? And uh, my dad, you know, looked over everything and came back to me and said, you know, if you don't do this, you'll always question yourself. This is a solid organization. You're clearly passionate about you. You don't listen to me anyway. So you should go try <laughs> this. Um, but, you know, once I told people, they were really curious as to why would you leave that kind of security and that kind of trajectory to do this? And... For me, it harkened back to the MedStar television days. What I loved about MedStar television was it was almost like a small agency. There were 35 of us. We were grinding it out. Every day you saw at the end of the day what you produced. You signed new business. You created a television show. It was on the air. There was a tangible result of what you did. And ArtsQuest, I think, struck that chord with me again where I wanted to be in the middle of something that was being created and be a part of a team that was gonna turn a vision into reality.
1: It's obvious why you're leading that organization. I think anybody that listens to this for about fifteen seconds is gonna is gonna get it. Just not my dad. Just not <laughs> (laughs) He'll come around. No, he's great. (laughs) Um, So you joined in two thousand and eight. You joined ArtsQuest in two thousand and eight, and a few years ago, a transition was announced. Correct. Do you think this was always Jeff's plan to have you replace him, in or, or he had a feeling, or he saw he clearly saw something in you where he knew you should be over. With, yes, with ArtsQuest, and you know where maybe where it went from there. You know who knows, but right, but uh, so the the announcement I think was what the beginning of June of two thousand fourteen. Yes, okay,
2: and then officially really started December two thousand fourteen.
1: So you've been CEO for a little, a little over, over a year. year now, and what you know, knowing what you know now, what were what were the key challenges as you stepped into the executive's role? With the organization? I think what was
2: particularly unique about ArtsQuest was Jeff was the founder. So when you replace a founder, I think that comes with a unique set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. I give him as much credit uh, in that transition because, you know, h- how much of your identity is, is wrapped up in something you started and, and ran for 32 years and is synonymous with you. if he didn't want the organization to really thrive and continue, um, he 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 could have blocked that succession being smooth. He did want a succession early on and and we talked very early that he had a plan for retirement. it was it was laid out there. He knew what his date was. You know a lot of people don't know that he's a tax attorney by trade. Mm-hmm. Um, right. so so he's very methodical. He's very analytical. Uh, and and his whole push with me was, look, I'm a tax attorney running an arts and culture organization. You don't need to come into this purely as an artist. In fact, that can sometimes handicap you because you can be blinded or biased. He was more interested in bringing someone who had a passion for it um, to the organization but had other business skills. Although he had told me about his retirement, there was by no means any guarantee of a succession because that was up to the board of trustees and Mm -hmm. with ArtsQuest being as visible as it was, a lot of input from the community. Uh, his, His challenge to me was you can come in here and you could be a possible candidate but it's up to you how hard you work and how much you get done if that happens and i respected that
1: so in your first year what were you know maybe the the top two or three takeaways if you were you know if someone was coming right. to you as uh, you know someone that may have been in your position 5 years ago that that is either working their way t- towards the executive position in mm-hmm. a nonprofit you know what would be you know any you know, your top three sure. pieces of advice, if you don't mind.
2: You know, I think um, people think of nonprofits as um, a nice place to go to do some good for the community. And what I would encourage them uh, to do is look at it from a very entrepreneurial, almost a startup mentality. So the more business skills you have coming into a nonprofit, the better you're going to be. Uh, to me, a surprise was the complexity of nonprofit accounting and finance. Uh, I, I, it's, it's so complex and there's so much to it that is vastly different than the for-profit sector. Uh, I think it'd be worth anyone's while to get whatever resources they can to come up to speed on that. Um, but relationships are probably the most important thing uh, as you come into an organization. If they have an established culture, if they have an established uh, realm of people that have gotten the organization there, it's how do you honor those relationships, how do you maintain the open communication so people are not fearful of a transition, that they buy into your vision because you're asking them to buy into your vision, not just financially. But with their time and with their talent, along with their treasures. So, you know, those three things to me, it's it's really bringing business skills, getting a very good understanding of nonprofit accounting, or as in my case, hire a very qualified VP of finance <laughs> mm-hmm. right. to do that for you. But to be very mindful of of relationships, both existing and new ones.
1: And that's that's true. Not only relationships within. The organization, but also with your with your board, with volunteers. And, you know, that's another that's probably another show unto itself is when the logistics of running an event like Music Fest with, you know, scores of locations scattered around uh, around a small town uh, staffed by a volunteer force of over a a thousand. Twenty two hundred volunteers a year we have. So, just to manage that is not uh, no small task.
2: And that's what I talk about with business skills. I think the last thing I ever get involved with with Music Fest are the musicians. Uh, right. We are much more involved with the logistics of the stage setup, security, weather. Um, where the uh Port-a-Johns are coming from, mm-hmm. volunteer shifts. It's a monster that you need to move. And if you do it right, the public doesn't notice it, and they do notice the musician. If you do it wrong, they notice everything else. So it's right. everything behind the scenes. And, and Music Fest is our biggest example year-round, but with all the other camps, classes, and concerts we do, we are doing that on a daily basis with a full-time staff of 53 uh, we have about 150 part-timers, and then we have about 200 seasonal part-timers, and we're augmented, as we talked about, the 2,000-plus volunteers, and that's another unique part of ArtsQuest. Those volunteers run that festival. They are in charge of the logistics and the operation of major parts of that festival. It's a 30-acre footprint, right. um,
1: so it, it, we all have to be pulling oars in the same direction. Well, and your ability to motivate people. See, I'm ready to volunteer for this thing. I got, <laughs> I got to tell you, like, the ability to marshal that many volunteers, I mean, really to put this in perspective, um, you, you know, if you're running a small or if you're running a community art museum in a small town, you know, you may have 10 or 15 people that you can count on right. to be guides or docents or, or, or whatever. Um but 2,200 people have to be managed by a hierarchy of employees. Correct. And to get everybody moving in the same direction and give them a sense of ownership, that's the thing that I think really is unique about what you guys do, because the the music fest volunteers are their own, their own family. Community. Yeah, they are. There really is a, a sense of family um, that that one notices. So. ArtsQuest does so many things so well, it seems to become, you know, you you start having that kind of momentum where yes. um you be sort of you become a self fulfilling prophecy. You know, if you can if you can start doing the little things right that gives you momentum to get, you know, this is like back in their late eighties. Right. Um, it just is is, you know, a long, a long uh thirty year 33 years, it'll be Thirty-three.
2: sure. Good Lord. Well, and that's how it started. I mean, Music Fest was done on a volunteer basis, and we still have 13 volunteers who have been there all 33 years. So uh, that's part of our culture. And if, as you come into that role, you have to understand the important parts of an organization's culture that if you were to pull on that string, you can really um, unravel the sweater. And for us, volunteers is a big part of that thread that uh, they have a collective wisdom in those decades of experience, mm-hmm. they have an ownership, uh, and they have an asset that you need to tap into and not not fight against. And that was something I had seen for the, you know, six years prior to uh, assuming this role. How central volunteers were. Um, these were people that were taking off vacation time from their regular work to run Music Fest. And I learned so much from them because I'll—I'll I'll be perfectly honest. I never thought about giving up ten days of my vacation to go volunteer somewhere, right? Um, for all ten days, and—and and these are people that are doing it now through the third generation.
1: That's—it's astonishing to me. I mean, to even to, for a for-profit company to have one or two or three employees that are thirty-year, right? You know, it's—it's it's just so unusual these days, right? Um, but to have volunteers that have been there that long is just un...
2: And I think because they they have a say. It's, it's very much along our entire organization to our staff. I don't care if you're working the front desk. I don't care if you're head of programming. We get ideas from both, and that's where we want to hear from it. So volunteers will come up to me with... Some of the better ideas, um, you know, that we've had. We've had our, our, our head of PR has come up with two new festivals for us uh, just based on his own passion. And he's gone and, and made those successful in a very short time. So um, to me, that's it's embracing and harnessing the creativity of the staff and the volunteers and ultimately the community. We like to think of ourselves as a mirror of the community. We want to reflect the popular cultural programming that people in this community want to see. Well, how are you going to do that if the community doesn't feel comfortable telling
1: you what they want to see and hear? That's possibly the most small d democratic uh, <laughs> approach I've ever I've ever heard. Let's not we'll leave poli- let's leave politics <laughs> out of this it's a dangerous topic, but um yeah, and and you know what Vo- the the volunteer force and their importance in running your flagship program that was the last thing I expected us to to get in. It it just didn't occur to me no, how central uh, that really is. Because if if the music fest week uh, doesn't go well, I mean it's it's a it's a hu- it has a huge financial impact because uh, just for those who are not familiar. Um, what percentage of these events are outdoors? Well, for Music Fest,
2: um, all of it except for three stages are outdoors. So, we if, if we have a bad Music Fest, we're going to have a bad year. And one of the goals of SteelStacks and building the ArtsQuest Center with the Music Fest Cafe and the Frank Banco L House Cinemas was to diversify that risk throughout right. the year. We've done a great job with that. We're at about a $20 million operating budget, and Music Fest two years ago, for the first time, was a little less than half of our operating budget. Uh, prior to opening Steel Stacks, Music Fest, and Chris Kindlemart, which is a holiday market that we run between Thanksgiving and Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, those two activities took up or were responsible for seven-eighths of our budget, both completely dependent on weather.
1: Right, and that's a lot of eggs to it's have a lot in of one eggs. basket. Yeah.
2: Um, so we are trying to diversify. But yes, if we have 10... We don't even have to have 10 bad days. If we have two bad rain days, because 15 of the 16 stages are free, we rely on ticket sales to one stage, the sand steel stage, right. food and beverage sales, sponsorships, and memberships. Memberships we have before the festival starts, sponsorships we have before the festival starts, and we have a majority of our ticket sales before the festival starts. The biggest portion is food and beverage, and you're not coming down if it's pouring. Right. So that's where we get heavily impacted. If we have great weather, we'll see much better revenue from from
1: food and beverage. So let's talk about 2016 a little bit. Yes. Um, walk us through you know some highlights of sure. of the upcoming year, and you know people may refer to this uh, interview later on, uh, but hopefully we get a lot of people uh, listening now that can still you know that can that can uh, react to some of these to some of these dates. Sure.
2: Uh, in February, um, sort of in the middle to the end of February, we have some smaller programming. So, so And, and we like to do both what I call rifle and shotgun approach to programming. So we've got okay. niche audiences and very broad ones. Mm-hmm. More niche audiences coming up. In uh, the middle of February, we have the high school jazz competition, um, which is where we work with high schools from the region and, and even into New Jersey, mm-hmm. where uh, the winner of the high school jazz band will open for sev- several of our River Jazz headliners. Right. Uh, and, and River Jazz, which is presented by Kinkan and Miller, happens uh, from uh, late April until mid-May. But in February, we have that competition. Uh, we also have – we do a lot of partnerships. Uh, the end of February, February 28th, we do a, a culinary program with the Girl Scouts called the Girl Scout Cookie Crunch, okay. where we invite local restaurants to come in and make desserts using Girl Scout cookies. <clears throat> That's a great promotion um, For the Girl Scouts and their effort there. Blast Furnace Blues, uh, presented by Highmark, is a a, a keystone for us. That's going to be happening March 11th through the 13th at the ArtsQuest Center.
1: And who – do we know – by we've now we got, know I forgot where we were in the year. I'm like god that's only uh, five weeks away yeah who's, uh, who's, so who's headlining uh, the blues
2: Robert Rudolph yeah. and the family band is one of the bigger acts that we've had uh, at uh, Blast Furnace Blues uh, we also have some local favorites in Craig Thatcher and Sarah Ayers we've got Friars Point Royal Southern Brotherhood the entire lineup is at www.steelstacks.org and you can buy a one pass that will take you through all weekend Friday, Saturday, Sunday or you can buy day passes and we run about four different venues Use both inside and outside during blast furnace blues.
1: Okay, and we and we should note um, all of the web addresses you give to us. We'll will include in our show notes. So if you're on the podcast's page, you'll be able to go to directly to any of these uh, to any of these events.
2: Yeah, so so that takes us through um, sort of the middle of March. But the music fest cafe presented by Yingling, which is our. Uh, um, jewel in the crown if you will at the arts quest center a wonderful music venue that holds between 450 and a thousand people we have shows there regularly every friday and saturday night also mm-hmm. typically thursday early in march we have beth hart uh, who we're really excited about she's been a vocalist uh, has been performing for 20 years grammy nominated has performed with jeff beck and slash um, so those are the types of artists that that we get coming through the venue which with no seat being more than 60 feet from the stage, it's a perfectly intimate space to enjoy either your favorite performer or really to discover a new one.
1: And then um, after the Blues Festival. After the Blues Festival, we roll right into
2: our Urban Street uh, Arts Fest, which is going to be April... 23rd. That's uh, held on the south side of Bethlehem. So the north side, the historic north side has some great old Moravian structures. The south side is uh, what we are calling the south side Arts District. It's very gritty. It's very industrial up and coming. Mm-hmm. The Arts Festival is uh, running on the same uh, weekend as another event called Spring on 4th which is run by other Southside merchants and um, organizations. What we're trying to do is showcase their more urban arts form. So you'll see graffiti artists, you'll see chalk artists. We had people last year that were doing demonstrations on how to Uh, paint skulls, uh, which is big and certain, not actual skulls, but to um, (laughs) paint what would look like a skull. Um, And and that was very popular. It was its inaugural year last year. It really took off. We had a great uh, attendance there, and we're looking to build on that. So that'll be happening uh, towards the end of April, and then we roll right into uh, River Jazz.
1: Which uh, is the beginning of this year it's going to be the end mayor, of May. It'll be five
2: may. performances between okay. may twenty second and uh, or I'm sorry, uh, april twenty second and May eighteenth. We are close to announcing the headlines, but we're finalizing all the contracts for that, but we're we're excited about that lineup. Um, and then, in the middle of June, I'm really bad at pronouncing this, but it's the Copa Americana Centario. Uh, this is going to sound a little outside of the arts and cultural realm, but it is a soccer tournament. Right. And the last two years, we've had tremendous success mm-hmm. showcasing both the men's and the women's uh, World Cup down at Steel Stacks on very large screens. This is a uh, the America's version of the World Cup. So we've got three games that we know that we're going to be uh, showing on June 3rd, 7th, uh, and the 11th, even though that whole tournament runs from June 3rd to the 26th.
1: Right and well, and that is—it's a really interesting direction for ArtsQuest to go into because if if you haven't been down to the campus just to try to describe it a little bit, you're you're seated on uh, the same lot where the blast furnaces, you know, were. I mean, they they're still there. They're approximately. Uh, what, eight to 10 stories yep. tall. So you have this feeling like you're in this little industrial valley of, of sorts. And there's a massive open space that's all that's all paved where you'd have a lot of pedestrian traffic right. for, for Music Fest. But what ArtsQuest has the ability to do is to erect screens outdoors and kind of close that off so it's a big pedestrian mall that holds what, four or five thousand. Yeah, the Levy Pavilion could hold three thousand. The Town
2: Square, their products town square is probably fifteen hundred to two thousand and you're really hitting on something there as far as when when you asked earlier, what should someone bring into an arts organization? I think one of the biggest things we've learned with Steel Stacks is to build flexibility. Mm-hmm. So we don't have we have very few fixed seat venues. This allows us to capitalize on things like the World Cup, which to us uh, and we had to have a talk about that internally. We're we're going to show sports on a big screen and this fits our mission how? The where we came down on that was the the neighborhood we sit in is culturally and ethnically very diverse. Mm-hmm. And you know soccer to so many communities and ethnicities is a culture it is, it is the largest world event, Sure, uh, and, and it was a great way for us to engage those communities who may not have ever come down to the Air Products Town Square or seen these blast furnaces where you're sitting on the history of a site. The first I-beam was rolled out on that site. And the I-beam is what, you know, it accounted for 80% of New York's skyline in the 20s and 30s. It allowed the entire uh, industry to go vertical when they ran out of space in New York. So
1: the, the you mean, And you mean the first I-beam ever? Ever. Was, any, anywhere was created? Anywhere in. at Bethlehem Steel. Speaking of that open space and, and the town square, this is the kind of thing that when I, when I see that ArtsQuest does it, I go, ah, that figure's like, and if any other organization tried <laughs> to do this, it wouldn't make sense. But when when Pope Francis was in the United States, you had a simulcast of the the mass he said in Philly. Correct. And drew. I mean, really? all of a sudden, there were thousands of people there just to witness yes. that.
2: Yes, we had for the for the men's World Cup, we had about fifty five thousand people over the course of five games. Uh, the Pope, the papal viewing was about to 5,000. Um, ag- again, we're going to go back to the partnerships because the diocese actually had reached out to us and said, look, we're 50 miles from Philadelphia and nobody can get into Philadelphia for this papal viewing. And we've got a lot of congregants who want to see this, but they want to experience it in a, in a communal way. It's not enough to sit in their house right. and be alone. <clears throat> Would you be open to this? So um, we, we had great talks with them. It's a whole different series of discussions you have to have. Um, right. To be able to host that kind of thing. But yes, we we again want to reflect the community and that's what the community wanted.
1: Well, there needless to say, there's to say there's a ton of things happening <laughs> yes. in Bethlehem is an understatement. You really need to um if you're interested in this in any way, go to ArtsQuest's website. It's it just like it sounds, artsquest.org
2: actually Whoa. artsquest.org was our our website and we still operate that that tells more of the story because okay. we could talk about that for hour hours steelstacks.org is where you're going to find all of our programming calendars
1: okay so s so, t e e l s t a c k s.org and we'll we'll link to that on our page um, you go there do yourself a favor and go there and spend a little bit of time digesting everything that's going on because i think with a, an organization like arts Quest, it's not a question of uh what do you want to go see it's kind of what you don't want to miss correct because there are so many things well it. there's so many things going on you're like oh, i can't get to that one but so so uh check the schedule out spend some time there and and um Hopefully, we, you know, we can draw some more people. Not that you need any help from us. I think you guys are uh, are uh, doing a great, tremendous job uh, on your own. But, um, you know, everybody should go study what Cassie and what Jeff Parks have built here because it's really a one-of-a-kind place. It is a kind its a one of a kind I can't think of any other place in the country that is, is – remotely like it.
2: I think it's a model for urban redevelopment and and that and there are lessons to be learned here that should be exported because goodness knows we have enough urban blighted areas in this country that could use this kind of redevelopment and these kind of partnerships being able to work with people like you helps to get the word out, and and I think there's there's a great secret to still be discovered here in, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania.
1: Okay. Well, Cassie, thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. For being here, and uh, we'll, uh, we will help spread the word. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to Creative Confidential with Brian Tuck. To have Brian consult for your arts organization, for public speaking engagements, or if you have legal matters you want to discuss, contact him at TuckLaw.com. That's T-U-K-Law.com. For future episodes, please subscribe to Creative Confidential on iTunes or visit us at CreativeConfidential.net. This has been a Steve Mittenin social media creation. creation. Steve MitteninSocialMedia dot, com. dot, com. dot com.